seated. Oh, we are studying uh, some psalms, and I would like to study Psalm 112 tonight, uh, 112 psalm. Uh, this psalm is, has only 10 verses, so it is pretty short, but not too short to study uh, in a session. And um, um, like the, uh, like the previous one, I chose this one thinking that it might be easy to study this one, but I found that it is very hard, a very difficult one to understand. Um, <clears throat> so I will try my best uh, to share what I understood uh, in studying this psalm. Um, as we are Um, as we are, uh, you know, passing the end of the year, uh, we recall the theme of this year, uh, Go and Do. And Go and Do is focused on doing action. Uh, so it almost automatically uh, brings up a question, uh, do we have to do this? Because uh, we are, we can be saved by what by what we do. So that was a question that I would like to, uh, you know, uh, address through this psalm. Um, but I'm sure that everybody, I mean, in this congregation, uh, know the answer. But I would like to share some uh, ideas regarding that question. Uh, through this psalm. Um, as we um, read this psalm, I found the, the very interesting thing, uh, which is about the structure of this psalm. Uh, this psalm, the first uh, sentence, the first verse says, praise the Lord, and I took it as one stanza. And I think the second stanza begins with, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. And it ends, that second stanza ends at verse 9, his horn is exalted in honor. And the third, the last stanza uh, is verse 10 which is about the wicked man. And in the second stanza, the second stanza is long. The first and the third stanza is very short. And um, the second stanza uh, can be divided into two small substanzas. And there is, uh, I mean, it was not easy to uh, figure out where I should divide the, uh, you know, divide uh, the second stanza into two. But in verse five, 
the verse 5 uh, reads in English Standard Version, it is well with a man who deals generously and lends. In other words, again, it is well with a man. But in Hebrew language, the original language, the sentence structure is the same with the second verse of verse 1. I mean, second sentence of verse 1, blessed is the man. So if I say it again, like you know, the Hebrew language says, it's well is the man, just like that. Blessed is the man, and well is the man. The same structure. It has the same, I mean, those two verses has the same structure. So I thought it could be a, a good sign to use, uh, uh, for us to use as the, uh, you know, division of the stanza, I mean, the sub-stanza. So I took um, from the second sentence of the verse 1 through verse 4 as the first substanza, and from verse 5 through uh, verse 9 uh, as the second substanza. Um, okay, uh, and, and obviously the, the first stanza is the hallelujah, praise the Lord. The, the original language says hallelujah. And the last stanza, the third stanza, is uh, distinctly uh, about the wicked man. But as I uh, read the, you know, this psalm, um, the verse 4 was very difficult to understand. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright, I mean, for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. Uh, it was very uh, difficult for me to figure out the meaning of this uh, verse. So um, I should uh, go back to the first of this psalm and read it again and again. And I uh, sensed something here that this, you know, the first substanza, in other words, the, from the, s the second sentence of the verse 1 through verse 4, talks about something, and from verse 5 to verse 9, talks about another. So let's read that, uh, I mean, substanzas. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with a man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks 
in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. And as we read, we can sense the thing here. The first uh, substanza has two you know, blessings, like his offspring will be mighty in the land, the generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. Okay? These are blessings. Again, in the second small stanza, I mean substanza, there is another kind of list uh, which sound like blessings. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is, I'm verse 7, he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. So, what's the difference between these two lists of blessings? That was my question to understand this psalm, and especially the meaning of verse 4. And the first uh, list of the blessings in verse, three, uh, verse 2 and 3, his offspring will be mighty in the land, the generation of the upright will be blessed, wealth and riches are in his house. These blessings are earthly blessings. Earthly blessings. These blessings are about the blessings that they can get on earth. Okay, but verse 7 and 8, he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. These blessings sound like spiritual blessings. Like he is saved. You know, you don't have to be afraid of destruction, of death, of eternal death, because he is saved. He is firmly saved. Now, there is nothing that he should be afraid of, because he, his salvation is firm and confirmed or you know, irrevocable. He passed the point that his salvation can be reversed. Um, this reminds me of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let me read that. Uh, Apostle Paul said something like this. His salvation was confirmed and now his salvation is fixed. There's no possibility that he could, he could lose his salvation. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, henceforth, 
there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So this tells, uh, told me that there is a point. There is a point. One should pass from the beginning of the salvation and the, you know, the, and the, you know, fixation of the salvation. There is a point that he can say that I am saved firmly, like Apostle Paul said, you know. And I think verse 4 talks about that. In Psalm chapter 112, verse 4 talks about that. That point, light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. So light means life, you know. John chapter, chapter 1. Uh, light means life for man. And the light, when the light dawns, there is no darkness in his life. In other words, he is saved. I mean, in other words, his salvation is affirmed. And that's why the psalmist says that it is well with a man. It is well with a man. And verse 6 says, uh, the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. He is living on earth still, but he can have bad news like Apostle Paul had. You know, put him, put him in the prison. But even that kind of bad news couldn't alarm him because he was saved firmly. And his heart is firm because he trusts in the Lord who saved him, who will save him forever. And his heart is steady and he will not be afraid. And he surely look on his adversaries in triumph because he passed the point and the point at the point the light dawned I mean light dawned to him why another question why what does it mean why is there the point in life in in uh, in, the, in the life, like, our life is a process, process uh, to, be, to complete our salvation. So where, why is there the point that we have to pass, we have to have for our salvation to be fixed? I mean, how can it, how, I mean, how can we get it how how can we get that point and how can we pass the point and how 
how can we say that our salvation is now fixed? Only thing that is waiting for me is the crown of righteousness. I'm the victor. How can you say that? That's a great idea. But as we read to answer those questions, as we read, especially uh, from verse 3 to verse 6, wealth and riches are in his house. And after that, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness. For the upright, he is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is wherewith the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice, for the, for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. What is the... I mean, do, do you hear a common word? A word that is coming, you know, frequently, more often than others? Righteous. Upright. Righteousness. Uprightness. The quality or character or disposition of the person appears more often than other words. Again, let me read it again. His righteous, righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is where with the man who deal, deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice, for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. So the, there is some idea that is underlying of these blessings. What is that? Righteousness. Righteousness. He is blessed because he is righteous. He is righteous. He is getting these, you know, Abundant blessings from God for a reason, because he is righteous. His righteousness is the path or pipeline through which the blessings are coming through to him. Righteousness is underlying the blessings. So, Another question, I mean, the next question. Where does the righteousness come from? Where does the righteousness come from? Let me read it again. Uh, verse 3, the second sentence. His righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. Uh, righteousness and uprightness, uh, similar word, synonym. It's not very diff a different word. Gracious, merciful, righteous. I mean, grace, gracious, merciful uh, could be understood as uh, some uh, fractions or 
uh, aspects of righteousness. So in other words, um, you know, mercy and uh, grace, also uh, uh, they are included in righteousness. A righteous person is merciful and also gracious. So everything, every characters, every uh, you know, adjectives here, I mean, almost all adjectives are describing righteousness. And also, verse 5, about righteousness. It is well with a man who deals generously and lends. Deals generously and lends. And this, this person conducts his affairs, whatever it may be, whatever they might be, with justice. Justice, again, righteousness, the same word. For the righteous will never be moved. So this is a blessing. I mean, the promise to the righteous person, he will be remembered forever. So where does the righteousness come from? Let me ask this question. Because, because, um, because he deals generously and lends, is he righteous? Because he conducts his affairs with justice, is he righteous? What do you think? Because I do something, because I do something, some good things, because I do some right things, am I righteous? In other words, does my righteousness, I mean, righteousness that God is pleased with, does my righteousness come from what I do? Because I do good, am I righteous? Because I do good, am I given righteousness? Or, or, because I am righteous, I do good? Because I have righteousness of God in me, the righteousness dictates me to do good things? What do you think? What do you think? That's the question. And that is, uh, I mean, uh, that's a question many theologians are still, <laughs> still you know, discussing and controversial about. I'm sure this psalm gives us an answer, the answer to that question. Let's read the first verse and second sentence. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. And later, in verse 2, the psalmist assumes that the person is righteous, upright. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Why is he upright? Because he fears the Lord and greatly delights. 
and the commandments of God. Even before he does something, God knew that he would do it because his faith, his fear is genuine. And God takes that faith as his righteousness. That happened to Abraham. That happened to us too. Even before we did anything good, as we accepted Jesus' gospel and obeyed the gospel, we were counted as righteous. Right? That's what the Bible says. Romans chapter 4, Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. We are justified by faith not by works. Before we were saved, we didn't do anything good. We were sinners. But Jesus appeared. The light appeared to us, and we accepted it, and we were overwhelmed by the grace of God, and we obeyed it. We just immersed in his grace, and we were saved, and God accounted us as righteous. But it was not the end of the story. He was expecting to live righteously, right? So the righteousness didn't come from the actions, from our deeds, our or the psalmist deeds, but the righteousness was given of God because of his fear of the Lord and delights in his commandments. Just as Abraham was regarded righteous when he believed in God. However, however, so the, the righteousness, righteousness came from faith. When we believed in God, believed in God and when we delight, uh, delighted in God's commandments, we were considered, were regarded, were counted as righteous. But that was not the end of the you know, story of righteousness. Many, 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 many religious people argue that is it of salvation. That's it. We are saved. We are fully sanctified. We, I mean, hallelujah. There's nothing that we have to do any longer because we are saved fully and our salvation is fixed and completed and there's no way to, you know, get reversed. Is that true? But as I said, this psalmist says that we have to see the light. We have to get the light. The light should dawn in the darkness for us. We have to pass the point. And what is it? How can we pass the point? How how can we get the light dawned in our life, in our lives? 
so that we can say that it is well with me. I'm not afraid of any bad news because my salvation is in God's hand and it is ready for me. How can you get that? Again, Psalm says, verse 5, He deals generously and lends. He conducts his affairs with justice. Verse 9, He distributed freely. He has given to the poor. He practiced righteousness. He was given the righteousness. He had the righteousness of God in him. And the righteousness was not dead, but alive and active. It pushed him to work, to do, to go and do. So that the righteousness works as the engine of the person, engine for the salvation of the person. And the righteousness, righteousness, because it is energetic, because it's active, because it is powerful, because it is, you know, hopeful, it gives us hope of salvation, it doesn't stop. We cannot stop. We cannot stay here calm just thinking that I am saved, I am satisfied, I am finished. But righteousness is like a, like a, I don't know if you know how strong an eel is. One time, a friend of mine, because I said that, oh, I like eel, you know, the food, eel, and she bought an eel for me from Vietnamese, you know, market. And it was like this big and this big, and you know, she brought it live. And Mingu, eat it. And he was strong. It was strong. I tried to catch it and you know, uh, skin it, but it was so strong. I mean, as I think of like righteousness, something alive, something active, it's like the yield in my pocket, in my belly. It moves. It makes me move. Because it's alive. It is active, energetic, powerful. It's not me who do the good things, but the righteous in me, the righteousness of God, alive in me, makes me move, makes me do God's will. That's why we have to have that righteousness. You know how we can get it. We have to believe in God and believe in Jesus. And we have to repent of our sins. And we have to be immersed in water. In Jesus' name. To be counted righteous to receive the righteousness that alive 
energetic, you know, powerful righteousness. That is righteousness by true, genuine faith. We are saved by it. We can be saved by it. But it's not the end. We have to let it move in us, in our lives. We have to move obeying to that righteousness. That righteousness dictates us, commands us to do God's will. And we have to obey it. We know what it is. We know what we have to do to fulfill the requirements of the righteousness. This psalmist is talking about that. You know, he, he dealt with people generously and he lent. He conducted his affairs with justice. And verse 9, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. He did righteousness. He practiced righteousness. First John chapter seven, I mean chapter three, verse seven says, "Anyone who practices righteous righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Because he is righteous, he practices righteousness. Because he has righteousness." The righteousness moves in him, makes him practice righteousness. So, uh, I said about this, sorry. So, we, if we uh, summarize with, uh, with some Bible verses, you know, Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 says, uh, we are justified by faith alone. When we were justified, we were justified by faith, but we have to practice righteousness. After we have received the righteousness by faith, the righteousness should work in us, and we have to practice the righteousness. And then, because we are approved, because we are approved by our practice of righteousness, our faith is affirmed that, wow, I did well. I mean, God says, I did well to regard him as righteous. I saw his faith, and I believe that his faith would work. And now I see that his faith has worked. So this is the point. The light, when the light dawns in the darkness. And our salvation is confirmed, affirmed. I mean, I was, we were saved. But, you know, if our faith didn't work, hasn't worked, then our faith was not right. But by working, we were 
I mean, our faith was affirmed that it was right. And um, James chapter 2, verses 22 to 24, a man is not justified by faith alone, but by works also. So we have to work and we have to approve. I mean, we have to get approved by God that our faith was genuine because our faith was working in us and we practiced righteousness. And the last stanza, uh, verse 10, is a contrast between the righteous person and also the wicked man. The righteous person will be blessed forever. He will be saved. The righteousness will endure forever. But the wicked will perish, surely perish. The wicked may make bad news to the righteous, and the righteous, you know, can, can be, I mean, can uh, suffer from some harms made by the wicked people, but wicked world, also wicked world, but the wicked will perish, surely. So the stanza, the first stanza says, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. He doesn't make any mistake in the judgment. If we have God's righteousness in us, and if we practice that righteousness in our lives, then we'll be saved. But if one fails to do righteousness and just do wickedness, he will go to hell. That's it. No partiality will be rewarded or punished by what we do, by what we have done on the day. That's why this psalmist says, when he thinks of the, when he think, when he thinks of the, you know, judgment, wow, that's great. That gives me, that gives me confidence. If I do good, if I, if I, I mean, if I keep God's commandments through our lives, through, uh, through my life, then I'll be saved. Conviction comes from the surety of the judgment. And also, for the wicked, the you know, fear would come to them. So hallelujah. Even though I am suffering from some bad things made by the wicked world, I don't care. It may hurt me right now, but I don't care because I have the reward in heaven. I will get it. I will get that. So hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He's the righteous judge, fair judge. I can trust him. So 
I think uh, this psalm teaches us, I mean, tells us not to be deceived. There are so many theologians and uh, so many, uh, you know, false teachers and uh, religious people who teach that we can be saved only by faith. Faith is enough. There's nothing that we have to do to be saved except believing it, believing in Jesus. But this psalm says that we have to do justice. We have to practice righteousness. Okay. So our righteousness, but however, this psalm doesn't say that righteousness uh, is coming from what we do, but this, uh, rather it says that we have to have God's righteousness in us, and the righteousness will work as we obey it, obey God's will. I think this psalm is great uh, about that. It is probably the psalmist uh, didn't write this uh, psalm, you know, to make a big theological uh, theory or explanation of salvation, but I'm glad that I could see that and maybe uh, there is something, some flaws that I made uh, in understanding this psalm. But anyway, uh, after I studied this psalm, I could, um, I could, you know, um, feel more confidence and uh, surety of the word of God. And we have to have the righteousness in us. And like I mentioned earlier, for us to have that righteousness, we have to be born again. We have to be born of the righteousness, the righteousness of God. And we have to uh, believe in Jesus, his word, his teachings, his, you know, his examples. And we have to repent of our sins. And we have to be immersed. Uh, we have to be baptized in his name. And God will... Uh, give us righteousness. And the righteousness, as it is alive, will, will do God's will through our lives. And if there is anyone who needs anything uh, for this congregation to help, please come before while we stand and sing. Sorry,